DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined once again by Gary Jansen, who is the director of Image Books and executive editor at Penguin Random House. He is the author of the best-selling memoir, Holy Ghost, or How a Not-So-Good Catholic Boy Became a Believer in Things That Go Bump in the Night. The 15-Minute Prayer Solution, Station to Station, and Life Everlasting. With Gary Jansen, we go inside the pages of Microshifts, Transforming Your Life One Step at a Time, published by Loyola Press. Gary, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Chris, thanks for having me on the show. I love Microshifts, Transforming Your Life One Step at a Time. Always so practical. That's what you do. You you bring it down and make it so that the everyman can begin to make those micro shifts. Thank you so much, Gary. Uh, thank you. The uh, I think that's been it, it. Really, for this book, it really dawned on me, and I had the revelation at the last ten years of of writing about spirituality and religion. It's really been all about this. Like, how can we? How can how can I live a practical spiritual life? And, and look, I know when it comes to dealing with Jesus and, and, and the spiritual life, that, that can be a very, very impractical, right? Because it asks us to do things that aren't very practical. But I do think that there is a practical component to, to the spiritual life. And so how do you, you know, what are some things that you can do that everybody can do that are pretty basic, um, but also sometimes very, very thought-provoking and very heart-provoking, that can revitalize and refresh, you know, your spiritual journey. And if you're just starting a spiritual journey, it's a good opportunity. You know, I tried to like make the book accessible for people who are on, you know, various, you know, lengths of the journey and, and to try to make it accessible and fun and, and really to be fun so that when people have a good reading experience about micro shifts and what micro shifts are, I am hoping that they're, they're taking not only, not, not only will it hope, I hope that it leads them closer to Jesus, but I'm hoping that it just, you know, I'm hoping I have a good time with it. I, you know, I think it's really the key, what you've done here. It's in the little things, because sometimes when we experience that fervor and that joy that comes with an encounter with Christ, or you get very enthusiastic about things, we want to jump in and do too much. We almost plan on, we want to be the holiest we can be right now. And we inevitably trip and fall, and then we become discouraged. And that is a real danger, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, it is, uh, you know, it, it's like anything. It's, it, you know, you become a, a, a baseball fan, you know, all of a sudden you discover baseball. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. You know, you end up watching baseball all the time and, and, and sometimes throwing yourself and, 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 and distracting yourself from other things that are important in your life, you know, and the... Uh, you know, so this idea of micro shifts, and so what a micro shift is, is really, these are just small little changes, literally like micro, you know, small shifts that you can make in your life that can really just help you, um, you know, get closer to, get closer to God, get closer to Jesus, get closer to the Virgin Mary, help you to become, you know, someone who, uh, you know, St. Paul says, I think in Thessalonians, right, pray all the time or, you know, pray ceaselessly, you know, it, it's, that's something that's so important to me that this idea of like praying all the time and, and making your life a prayer. And, and if we can like take, 
I don't know, just take like small moments or just take small digestible bites. You know, I think it helps us out in the long run instead of kind of like, um, what do you, uh, binging, right? Mm -hmm. Binging on spirituality, binging on, 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 on Jesus. Uh, because a lot of times if you binge, what happens, right? You end up throwing up all the stuff that you, you know, you took Mm -hmm. inside you or, or it just causes like problems in your digestive system. And so, you know, I think all of us have a spiritual digestive system. And so there are things that we take into us and remember Jesus says, it's not what comes, you know, it's not what comes into us necessarily. It's what comes out of us, but we do take things into us and we have to process them. And, you know, and like you said, sometimes we can be over enthusiastic, right? And then kind of like stuff ourselves. And in the end, that's not really beneficial. But if you can take like small steps, right? Make small changes in your life. I think over time, you know, I just, you know, having worked in, in religion for a long time and uh, worked with people from many, many different religions, not just Catholicism. I remember reading somewhere or hearing the Dalai Lama say, you know, it, when, you're, when you chew, when you eat your food, make sure you chew it, right? Mm-hmm. So many of us like take our food and we just jam it in our mouth and we swallow. And he's like, mindfully chew, right? Make sure you chew your food, right? Because, you need, because it helps in digestion. And then if you can mindfully like chew your food, then you can pay attention, right? And you can thank God every time you take a bite, you know, and chew your food. And I think we, it would help us all to do that, right? And all the little things that we do to just say thank you and to be gracious to God for allowing us to, to experience what we experience. Don't you think, Gary, I mean, we're, we're kind of in this mode right now where when you talk about binging, I couldn't help but think of how we watch television now. I mean, streaming is nice. It's nice to be able to pick and choose what you want. But to sit down and actually watch a program, a series now, we can sit all day (laughs) on a weekend (laughs) and watch all of a program, and now it's gone. And you've lost something. Because there was a time when you would take things in pieces, and I don't know, maybe we say to ourselves, I have no time in the day. Well, it's because you've, you've crammed so much instead of taking it in those smaller chunks and enjoying them so that the next day you have something and then the day after that instead of trying to do it all at once. Yeah, you know, I think at least in the Western culture there is this movement toward, I don't know, I I like like staying home, which isn't a bad thing. I like to stay home. Like, look, when I get home, I like to just like nest and like just relax and to to tune out. Um, So I totally get it. But if you think about it, I mean, we do more of our, you know, commerce online, right? We do more of our communication online, right? And so we're doing it usually from a room or from our home or from our apartment. And, you know, what does that do? I mean, I think it takes away a sense of like community. Like, like, I mean, it seems silly, but Toys R Us closed last year and there's really no toy store for me to take my kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we used to like just like enjoy like on a Friday night going to the toy store and like looking around. And it doesn't mean that my kids, you know, we bought stuff for my kids every time we went. But it was an opportunity for us to kind of like look at stuff and to be around other people and make a joke to somebody. And now, well, the kids are like, we're bored. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, and uh, and we don't have we don't have that store. I mean, you remember, and I know, you know, from just from your background, you remember Tower Records, right? You remember oh, yeah. like, like big, like, you know, record world where people would go and they would like talk about music and, you know, they would go there and buy music, but meet somebody and they, you know, you talk about the new, I don't know, you know, new Zeppelin release or whatever it is and, uh, or re-release and the, uh, 
that's all gone now. And so this idea of like, you know, binging and staying home and like watching all this stuff all at once, it really, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily bad for us, but it does feel like it is kind of taking away that sense of outer community, that interaction with other people. And when we interact with other people, I mean, really the way that we should be interacting with other people is to realize that God is in all of those other people around us. Um, and if we just stay inside, I think it can, uh, I think it takes away from the juice of, you know, of the spiritual life. You hit a good point here. It's sometimes we have to stop so that we can remember who we are. And that's actually right. one of the chapters in the book that you have to have time to figure out to slow down and say, am I defined by the things I either I do or the things that I have or, but somehow we know that that, that's wrong, that that it's not going to satisfy. Who are we? And, and you, you call us to, to ponder that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. In one of the chapters, it's really, you know, part of it's remembering who you are by remembering who you were. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, a lot of people will say, and look, a lot of very wise people will say, you know, things are in the past. It's in the past and just let it go. But you know what? You know, I really, I really loved music my whole, my whole life. And then like in the last few years, I get so caught up in my day-to-day life, you know, working where I'm working, trying to take care of my kids that, you know what? I don't listen to music anymore. And, uh, and and I'm like, why does it, why do I feel like there's something missing in my life? And literally I would have these like, you know, debates with myself. Well, what's missing? What's missing? And then all of a sudden I'll, I'll put a um, CD on or I'll, or I'll stream something. And I'll go, oh, I got it. I'm missing music because I've listened to anything in six months. And, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a, this is, it, there's this experience of joy by just returning to what I used to love as a kid. And, you know, and, and what I used to love as a teenager and as a young as, as as a young guy, and and kind of going back and remembering, you know, helping to remember. You know, I ask people in the book to just try to remember who you were. You know, it doesn't might you might be very very different right now. You may have like grown up and you know moved on to other things, but I think it's a good opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Sometimes we leave things behind that we don't intend to, and. And, and a lot of times that can be a relationship with Jesus, I mean, or a relationship with God or however you want to put it. The, and I think a lot of people do get caught up in life and right, they leave something behind when if they went to their past and you'd be like, wow, you know what, 10 years ago, I was saying the rosary every day. Uh, but then I just got caught up. You know what? And, I, and now I remember. So let me remember a little bit about who I was in order to figure out and, and to remind yourself about who you are now. Um, and your taste may change. You might not prefer the rosary. You might you might want to do novenas or, or you might just want to do a walking meditation or, or walking prayer and not pray the rosary. But, but I think going back and asking yourself these questions, you know, what did I love when I was a young person or, or whatever, can really do much to open kind of another gateway to Jesus and, and to God the Father and to Mary. Wow, I'm so glad you brought this up because, you know, even in my experience in the last few years, I've kind of gone through that myself. I've gone back, and when you look at who you were, and actually, who are we? We're the totality of ourselves. I mean, Absolutely. it's it's the God doesn't live on the Kronos timeline. He's in Kiros. Right. He's outside of that. We do, but part of it is we don't want to turn back and look because some of those events, some of the things that we love, we're all kind of mingled in maybe with some things that we're not real proud of 
and right. outright sin. However, there is good. There is a good in there somehow. You know, what was it that that joy of, you know, the, the music that we listen to? What was it that y- there is a movie or a book or an activity that that was so it brought us so much joy, but we left it behind or even friends that we used yeah, to know. I was just going to say friends too, you know, acquaintances that we've known over the years that all of a sudden you look back and you're like, Oh, wait a minute, that was eight, 10 years ago. Is that even possible? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did bring you great joy and they, you know, and so, you know, I mean, since I've written this book and it's just, today's the public, you know, it, it's, it's out now is that, um, the, uh, you know, I've just reconnected with a bunch of people from my past, you know, because they are part of who I am now. And, you know, some of those, some of those friendships or acquaintances, you know, they, some of them might be done and, and, but that's fine. But some of the other ones too, I've, I've, you know, I've, you know, I've renewed friendships with people, which has been great. And they've helped me remember, you know, some of the funny stuff I used to say, some of the serious stuff I used to say. And, you know, things that I've completely forgotten, you know, they remember, you know, and I think all these things that we forget, you know, about being a child of God, well, Jesus remembers, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, this is all kind of, so one of the micro shifts is really to just, you know, make a list of like 10 things that you really, really like used to love or used to do. And, and like you said, some of these things can be wrapped up in disappointments or some of the bad things that we may have done or we may have lost uh, loved ones in the past that makes us not want to revisit this. But it doesn't have to be overly dramatic in, in making this, you know, in going back in time a little bit. You know, just but figure out some of the things that you really used to love to do. And, uh, you know, and maybe try them again. Because I think, you know, obviously we find Jesus in all things, right? I mm-hmm. love the Jesuit spirituality and I love the idea of like seeking God in all things. And sometimes, guess what? Like you said, we're a totality. And, uh, you know, sometimes we find Jesus in the past. So look for him. We have that in our spirituality, don't we, Gary? I mean, the fact is that even Jesus, he has the wounds in his hands and in his feet and his side. And we will have ours, but that can be transformative. So going back, as you lead us, it's, again, it's not doing a, uh, you know, a cannonball in the middle of the pool. It's small steps that gently lead us to wholeness. Right. That can be a challenge, it, not only in what we're living through right now and, and where we're at, but there are a lot of things that get in our way. And one of, I, I think this is a, an incredibly important chapter, is just that you have to make sure you get enough sleep. Thank you, the, uh, the invention of the light bulb. But <laughs> ask the Benedictines, ask someone in a monastery, we're not meant to be up and only get maybe four hours of sleep or be interrupted by a bleep on our phone. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it was one of the most, for me, I feel like that's one of the most important chapters because I don't really think many people have written, at least not in the Catholic sphere, mm-hmm. um, about the relationship between sleep and spiritual life. And, you know, look, I used to think that I suffered from these dramatic, dark nights of the soul. I mean, I'm St. John of the Cross and I'm Teresa of Avila and I'm having these, these, these moments of just deep yearning for God and, and misunderstanding and feeling just so like barren and, and from it all and, 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 you know, and trying to find God uh, in all of these experiences and really coming up really, really, really short 
right? Almost to the point that I want to just throw my faith away because it has become so dry. These dark nights have like gone on for such a long time. And you know what, then this must mean that God doesn't exist. And this is all just a charade. And, and so I would sink into these crazy depressions and, and and this was going on on and off for like years. And, and, and when I look back, well, what happened was, you know, one day I got so exhausted that I actually slept eight hours. Right. Mm -hmm. So I fell asleep at like 10 o'clock at night and then woke up at six. And you know what? When I woke up, that dark night of the soul was gone. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was like, oh, I'm like, oh, wow, wow, there's birds outside. Well, look at the sun. It looks so nice. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I feel good, right? right? Yeah, I feel good because I got, a, I, got a, I, got, I got the amount of sleep that doctors say that you should get. And what was I getting before that? Four and a half, five. Basically, I was sleep deprived, right? And, and when you're not taking care of yourself physically, especially here in the Western world. And I know we're very blessed with the opportunity to, to, to try and take care of ourselves, you know, in a way that um, emerging countries may not be able to. But, but still, like, this, opportun- this, this idea of, of you need to take care of, like, your body and you need to take care of, of uh, and when you take care of your body, you end up taking care of your soul. And I'm not saying be selfish, but I'm saying if you need to get eight hours of sleep, then get those eight hours of sleep because they really are affecting the way that you relate to people and the way that you affect and, and, and the way that you relate to God. And all of this is all connected. And so this book is really about like taking a holistic approach, right? Mm-hmm. To our spirituality and our Catholicism and our search for Jesus. And it's amazing that what happens when you can just get a good night's sleep and how receptive you are a lot of times to Christ the next day, where if you're waking up all groggy you know, you may be short-tempered, you may be, you may be quick to anger, you may be, you know, so frustrated that you cut somebody off on traffic and the road rage happens. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, getting a good night's sleep is really, it does wonders for the spiritual life. Oh, Gary, your inner Benedictine is starting to come out. I think <laughs> you and St. Benedict have some space on the spiritual road to travel because you're, you're talking like him. <laughs> We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen.
Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Inside the Pages. Talking with Gary Jansen about his book, Microshifts, Transforming Your Life One Step at a Time. And, you know, I, I before we leave this area of sleep, it, this is one of the things that you call to, for us to do is to take a, take a look at how we're, at, can I say, shifting now. I mean, how are we sliding here and there? And right. with, let's be real, with the advent of the smartphone, in particular, it used to be something when we have, you know, the television in our bedroom and we're watching TV and we fall asleep and that's one thing. But with the phone, we have a tendency now to, you wake up in the middle of the night, you think, oh, well, I'll take a look and see what my email, do I need to, I, I, at least I'm doing that. And yeah. that does as much damage, even if you're able to say, okay, I got eight hours in, but if you're busting up your sleep and right. it also, it, what are you reading or putting into your mind right before you go to sleep you know i mean it that that can make a big difference can it absolutely and there is you know there's steps in in the book just on you know what Mm -hmm. to do to prepare you know Mm -hmm. um for for getting a good night's sleep and you're right i mean the whole like blue light that's on the phone right Mm -hmm. they've done tests and studies where you know the blue light actually right it it messes up your sleep patterns it makes it more difficult for you to go to sleep and makes you have a a less restful sleep um so you have this kind of and look i'm not trying to be medieval when i say that our phones can be demonic right mm-hmm. but they really can be because they you know i mean they act like little gods right instead of guy mm-hmm. instead of going to god and praying right for answers right we go to our phone for answers now and, and we've made it in many ways an idol, and I'm to blame for it as well because I do that. Uh, I do that from time to time as well, uh, which is to like wake up in the middle of the night, look at my phone, and just say, "Oh, look, I got an alert from Time Magazine about whatever." And uh, and really, do I need that at 2:30 in the morning? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, if we don't need that. And so you have these distractions, and so it's great to have a cell phone. Cell phone, you know, is just a tool. Whatever we do with it, we can do it for good or bad. But the uh, but it's very easy to kind of get pulled into the demonic aspect of like um, cell phones, which is what to distract us, right? And demons mm-hmm. are always trying to do that, right? They're trying to distract you from God, trying to distract you from Jesus. And so when you know, and I work in New York City, so everybody's on their phone all the time. Everyone's looking down, which means they're not looking up, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? They're not seeing the people in front of them, and when. And, and I know God's everywhere, but when we look up, right, we kind of feel like God's above us, right? That God's, you know, you know, when we look up, we expect, you know, in our prayer life, you know, to see God there before us. And uh, and we can't really see that when we're looking down on that phone all the time. Yeah, there's also a kind of a surprising chapter in here. And I, as I read it, I began to realize it was more than what the title was. It, 
it has the title "Learn from Your Enemies," and <laughs> right. I and I love it. Superman had Lex Luthor, Batman had the Joker, and he, he went on, and it was. Uh, but really, it's about humility, isn't it? I mean, it's about Absolutely. really the, the things that bug you about other people are usually the same things that I mean. That's there's something going on inside of you. That's tough to look at. It is. It can be really, really difficult to look at someone who annoys you, right? Who uh, who could be intentionally out to get you, right? I mean, look. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to like live in Pollyanna land, but the fact of the matter is that there are people out there that do not like you, right? And we're going to meet them all the time. Um, and and sometimes it's benign, and they don't. It's like they don't care. But then there's other times where people are like could be intentionally trying to harm you. Right. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't mean that they're stalking you, but it could just mean that they they're doing another job or at a school. Right. The person who's picking on a, a, a kid, you know, routinely at school and saying like mean things. You know, you see these things, especially like raising kids where, you know, um, maybe someone is doing something to somebody at school and that person feels like they're being bullied. And then what do they do? They end up like bullying a little sister or a little brother or something in the way that the person at school is bullying him, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're like, well, wait a minute, guys, you know, if, if pay attention to the people that you don't like, because we don't, right? I mean, we'd love to say, hey, this is all heaven and everyone loves each other and all of that stuff, but that's not that's not our reality. I mean, we can move toward that reality. We can move toward loving people more. But the fact of the matter, there are people out there that are a pain in the neck, and that there are people out there that 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 do wrong things. Guess what? Learn from those guys and, and those women and, and realize and, and make sure that you don't do that, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, if someone is if someone, you know, is trying to cheat people at work, you know, don't fall into that trap. You don't, you know, don't do that as well. You know, if someone is, you know, talks down to his wife and you see this at a restaurant you know, be careful about how you treat your wife and be careful about how you talk to her. Same thing for a husband. You know, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of paying attention to the world around you, paying attention to the, what people are doing. And when you see bad behavior, ask yourself, you know, do, do I participate in this? You know, because a lot of times we might not think it, right? Because we think, oh, we get high and mighty, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I wouldn't act that way. But like you said, you know, and you, you nailed it, Chris, because that's what the chapter is all about. It's about being humble. And it's about, you know, it's, it's about really exploring your humility and saying, you know what? I do contribute to this. I sometimes contribute to this. I'm sometimes I'm short. I sometimes do things that I shouldn't be doing. Don't do that stuff, mm-hmm. right? And that's really kind of a shift, you know, in, in the way that we look at things. You don't get angry at your enemies, right? Your enemies are really out there to teach you. They're out there to teach you. In the same way the Joker teaches the Batman, right? And, mm-hmm. and Lex Luthor teaches Superman. They become more mentally astute and they become hopefully better people in their confrontations with them, but only when they don't succumb to doing the same thing that the enemies do. We're talking with Gary Jansen about his wonderful work, Micro Shifts, Transforming Your Life One Step at a Time. And I could go chapter by chapter and keep pulling out all these different nuggets. But then I will also, I, I want people to get this book because I really think, you, you know, you may get it thinking, well, I'm going to slip this under so my husband can read it or my one of my kids could read it. But actually, you should read it first because <laughs> it, it makes a huge difference. And to, you know, just pick a couple more things. What you were just talking about, learning from your enemies, you know, what is it you're hearing in the other? 
that so that you don't mirror that. There's a there's another aspect too. I think, and this is so important in today's world, to be brave enough to have no opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with the social media we have. You and I both have friends that have actually sunk their boats because yep. they just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. You know, especially for the Christian, if you if if it's not dripping with virtue, keep your mouth shut. But right. that's tough, isn't it? It's really difficult. I mean, especially again, it's you know, I'm not blaming again. I'm not looking at social media or phones or Facebook or any of that stuff or Instagram as as you know enemies to anything. Look, they're tools, right? But mm-hmm. they they are tools that can open up. They can open up the goodness and they can open up the bad in us, depending on where we're broken and where we're hurt and where we are, you know, attached to Jesus. And so, you know, I think it's, it, it can become, you know, and also, I mean, with talk radio and like, you know, talk TV and, and cable TV, everybody has an opinion. They bring people on all the time just to really, to, to fill airspace. I mean, you know this, I mean, look, you're, you're in broadcasting, you know, you don't want to have, you know, dead space. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't like that. That was just like a quarter of a second. But but that feels like that that feels like eternity. And so they bring everybody on to have opinions. Everybody has opinions, you know, and at the end of the day, they're not necessarily helping you to, 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 to think better, to live better. It's just a lot of chatter. Right. It's like the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, can we be brave enough not to have an opinion? And, 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 to, and, and one of the ways to do that, really, and one of the ways that I, one of the micro shifts in there is to really just kind of like use that kind of as a, a mantra. I'm not saying bury your head like in the sand if you see something that's wrong that needs to be addressed. But there are plenty of things that happen throughout the day where you could just say, you know what? No opinion. No opinion. No opinion. And, you know, and when you know, you know you know, when there are times where you should give an opinion or when you should really stand up for something. But most of this stuff just becomes this chatter. And if we can just refrain from having an opinion on some things, I think it just helps us, again, not to edge God out as much, but it helps us to bring God in. Well, let's be real. How annoying it is when we're watching maybe a particular uh, news channel. I don't care what, what it is, but they have people come on and they share their opinions, but they're talking over each other. And sometimes right. it's two or three people, maybe four people all talking, and you can't hear a darn thing. You can't hear or understand what any of them is saying. And it, as you grow in prayer, especially as you're helping us to micro-shift in your book, it, it's cultivating that ability to be able to listen, to listen with the ear of your heart, so that you're actually pausing long enough. And, and you talk about that, the observe the observer. Because if you can do that in the people around you, in your world, and what's happening, it's amazing. Your prayer changes because now you're you're quiet enough to listen to God. Absolutely, and I think with God, I mean, and that's that's the big that's the big challenge when we pray, right? A lot of times when we pray, we go off with the mouth, and it's like yada yada mm-hmm. yada, and God this, and God this, and God that, and God that. You know what? God's talking to us all the time. We can't hear it, right? Just like if you and I have a conversation and we're talking over each other, we're not going to be able to listen to each other. And so if God, you know, is talking to us all the time and we're chattering all the time and we're complaining all the time or we're reaching out or we're asking for things or just like whatever it is in our prayer, I mean, how are you going to hear God? We've got to be quiet, <laughs> you know? We need that stillness because then 
then we can hear the voice of God. And it can be difficult, and it can take weeks, and it can take months, and it can take years. Right? The more, but the more that you can cultivate this idea of like no opinion, the more that the better you can cultivate um, inner silence. Um, not throughout your entire day. I don't want people thinking that I'm saying you banish all this stuff, but you can pockets of silence so that you can actually hear God. You know, and you do. The more that you can quiet yourself down, the better you're likely. The more likely you are to hear God. First, I wish we had more time, but I have to touch on the chapter on the micro shifts that will change your life for the better. Each one, I know each one is so perfect that if if you just once a day, say during Lent, oh well, it doesn't even have to be a season. Start today, whatever day that is, but just give yourself once a day at least time to ponder one of those. If not to do it, at least take time and just think and say, hmm, okay, maybe I can do this, or maybe I should do this, or whatever. But if you could do that, that was, this is priceless. This is one of the best parts. Well, the whole book is good, but this is this is wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was really, it, it started off, you know, <laughs> I had a lot in there, and we, we, I whittled it down to 42. Um, but really, is, these are, it's, it's a chapter that's called 42 Micro Shifts That Will Change Your Life for the Better. And really, at the end of the day, micro shifting is all about being kind, right? And mm-hmm. being kind to yourself and being kind to others and being kind to, to God. And, and we do that by shifting, you know, um, our behavior, right? And our thinking. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I think the, uh, so I had a lot of fun putting together and some of them are a little personal. Like I, I think one of them says, uh, you know, if you don't, you know, don't drink, don't drink the Sam Adams old Fezziwig ale without asking. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, and what do I mean by that? The, uh, I won't name this person's name, but you know, there's a certain beer that I love and the guy comes over when he comes over and, and, it, and it's really rare to get it and he'll just drink it. He won't even ask. He'll just take it and drink it. And, uh, I'm like, dude, you should be asking. <laughs> right. So mm-hmm. ask, you know, just the simple thing. I mean, a lot of times we, we get either super comfortable with people, but we should be asking people like permission to kind of like do things and, and Hey, and you know what? I would give it to him if he, if he wanted it, but you know what? Just ask. And, and I think we've lost, we've lost a bit of civility. Right. And I think we've lost a bit of how to like, you know, just converse with people and talk with people and deal with people. And so it's really those 42 micro shifts are really these small things that we can do throughout the day. Um, throughout the week and I have like a 28 day like micro shift challenge, you know, mm. okay, you know, can you do something small over the next 28 days, you know, and see how your life changes and then email me and let me know how it goes. Um, but you know, there's things like, you know, it, you know, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, you, you can tell me a little bit more about your reaction, but I really did love that chapter as well. Oh, I did too. I mean, there's some very practical things and ones that give you a pause. One of my favorites <laughs> Number 25, don't throw dog poop in someone else's garbage can. Okay, now, now you're a city guy. So, of course, it makes sense right. to me. I'm a suburban girl with, the, you know, the Fenton backyard for the dogs. And so, right. it, on one hand, yeah, that's very practical. I mean, what are you putting waste in other people's garbage cans? But sat back and after doing these over the course of several days, I thought, hmm, where's the metaphor here? <laughs> There's a metaphor in it's that a, big time. Yeah, it's like, what was it, Guardians of the Galaxy? It's metaphorical, you know. It's, right. And so I had That's, to think, you know, where am I doing that in my own life? And, and I, I mean, I sat back and I laughed, but then on the other hand, I thought, how do I do that with other things? 
Right, exactly. You know, and this is, I mean, this is, it has a very practical element because my wife hates this because we live in um, uh, a pretty populated suburban area, but the, uh, but they'll, you know, we'll have our garbage cans out, you know, for the, you know, for, you know, Tuesday pickup or something like that. Mm-hmm. And there's this one woman that would just have her dog like poop right near our lawn, pick it up and then throw it in our trash can. Mm-hmm. And she was doing this for like weeks. My wife was like, you know what? I'll let it pass once. I'll let it pass twice. And then finally she just ran out and she's like, what are you doing? Look, that's not mine. You know, get that out of here. You shouldn't be like, <laughs> I know it's a trash can, but you know what? This is my trash can. Don't throw it in my trash can. And it is metaphoric though, because we can, you know, drop things, you know, on other people, you know, and sometimes taint, you know, their lives. Uh, with the things that we think, the things that we do, and we should just be a little bit mindful about where we drop, you know, our metaphorical dog poop in, you know, yes. people's lives. So, well, <laughs> it's true. And the thing is that our messes, we can walk away, but it can cause problems for others Absolutely. down the road. Right. So, I mean, it's, this is how it, why it's so good, Gary. And I, I mean, I, I would, I highly encourage people to pick up micro shifts. Gosh, I wish we had more time, but any final thoughts? Um, yeah, uh, no, <laughs> except to say, you know, uh, I hope everyone enjoys the book and, you know, and I mean, one of the things really that I, that I loved about it, it goes back to an older book that I had written, but you know, there's 1,440 minutes in a day, right? Mm-hmm. And this is back in the book as well. And the 1% of that is, you know, 14 minutes and 24 seconds. So that's 15 minutes. And so what's 1%, what's a tiny micro shift that you can do? in your life, 15 minutes, you know, take 15 minutes out of your life. And what can you do for someone else? What can you do for God? What can you even do for yourself? Right. You know, teachers, doctors, you know, they're stressed to the gills, right. You know, sometimes they just need 15 minutes, you know, and allow themselves 15 minutes in order to be silent so that, you know, God can fill them up again because it can, we can all get very depleted, but there are people out there that my goodness, that are under so much stress and they just need a little bit of time you know, to be quiet and to, uh, and to allow God to, to, to help them out and to be, to be aware of that. Um, so, yeah. Well, this is why I, I love what you do, Gary, because I mean, you, you speak to the every man and every woman. I mean, yes, we would love to be able to ascend the, the high mountains, but that's not where we're living. We're living right. right here. And this is who we are. As we talked about our reality of the totality and you speak right into that and you make it not only a joy, but you also, you make it attainable. And I, I oh, just, I really appreciate everything you do. Uh, thank you. It's all for the greater good. So I hope, I hope, uh, I hope it works for people and I hope they check it out. And, you know, and I have like email addresses and stuff and websites. So, you know, drop me a line if, if anyone reads and, you know, takes that challenge and, and let me know what happens. Oh, I would encourage people to do that. I, I will have to have you back so you can uh, tell us what some of the reactions been. Very good. There's another book. There's another book. There you go. go. There you go. Gary Jansen, thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. With Gary Jansen, we've gone inside the pages of Microshifts, Transforming Your Life One Step at a Time. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to Loyola.com, the website for its publisher, Loyola Press, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. Also, visit Gary's website at GaryJansen.com. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. 
We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors.